Welcome to The Intelligent Asset, a podcast on digitizing enterprise asset management, developing intelligent interactions, and building systems of intelligence for asset operations. For industry professionals who work in EAM and facilities management across transportation, the public sector, utilities, manufacturing, and large enterprises. We want to tie the global challenges we all share to the world of enterprise asset management and how we can all make change for the better, building a more sustainable collective future. Today on The Intelligent Asset, getting consensus on the applicability of continuous improvement. Uh, I'm Sam Williams, and today I'm joined by Grant Ford, author, management consultant, and expert in the field of know-how management. Welcome back, Grant, uh, and in part two of this series on continuous improvement. Um, Thanks for tearing yourself away from the recording studio today. Well, that recording studio doesn't see as much time as I would like it to, but uh, um, nice thought. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> so, so tell listeners a little bit about what you do in your recording studio. Oh, uh, well, uh, like most um, people of my age who've uh, worked in uh, business for too long, we'd rather all rather be rock musicians. Um, but uh, I have <laughs> preferred, you know, I have uh, spent a bit of, time of my time as an audio engineer and. Uh, I do have a home studio and uh, I still have a, a band that plays and which we like to record from time to time. Excellent. So in the previous episode, we talked about just what continuous improvement is. Today, we want to explore introducing the concept into an organization. So <clears throat> to begin, let's talk about continuous improvement as a journey. And, and perhaps walk people through the, the method in a bit more detail, Grant. Okay. Well, by definition, continuous means never-ending, uh, and never-ending means journey, not destination. Uh, so uh, when you're in, involved with continuous improvement, I mean, you are continually involved with it. Uh, there is no end point per se, and there's no end point to the way that you, th- that you think about continuous improvement. What happens over time is... Uh, uh, it's a bit like climbing a, a, a tall mountain, get a bit of perspective. Uh, the more you learn, the more you realize you could learn. Uh, the more you know, the, realize, the, the more you realize there's more you can know. And as a result of knowing more, um, you would choose differently. So that's you know, pretty much by definition. But it does have a beginning, uh, and there are milestones along the way on this journey. Uh, so whether you focus, your focus is the whole organization or just an opportunity or a problem area, the methodology is basically the same. We've spoken before about expansions and contractions, and we've spoken before about uh, people, process, and technology, um, a three-legged stool that grows up in your organization before you can sit on it, basically, uh, and uh, better 3D printed than one point at a time. But the um, you are always uh, either at a macro or a micro level choosing um, the right opportunity, a problem or opportunity, you're always then uh, establishing what's important about that or a root cause of what's important about whatever that opportunity is. Um, ultimately, you will learn uh, what's causing something through through your applications of tools or, or techniques or, or, you know, common sense or observation. And uh, eventually you'll be confronted with um, the idea that somehow things could be better. Uh, and again, then you will 
choose a number of ways in which it might you might be able to bring about that better, uh, and you'll mm-hmm. have a go, develop and pilot it, and uh, and eventually you'll learn what was good about it, standardize those elements, and move on from that higher ground. So um, it is uh, it is a journey whether you know you're on it or not. And the thing that might actually be surprising to, to people, and and I hope this is a truism they'll recognize, that things have a horrible knack of coming around again when organizations have deferred them or put them off or thought, you know, uh, maybe next year. And when they come around, they'll either come around uh, uh, even more annoyingly than before, more insistently than before, or less. And, and more or less will be a reflection of um, what's happened to you in the meantime. How you've moved uh, in capability, are you now less capable, uh, in which case it's very insistent and annoying, <laughs> or are you more capable of, of dealing it based on whatever else has happened? Yeah. And, and can you give us a kind of practical example in, in your experience of something like that happening? Um, in other words, tell us a story about that. <laughs> All right, well, let's see if I can pull something uh Top of mind. Um, um, there was a there was a um, yeah there was a, a period in which I was a uh, an internal change uh, manager in, in a in a major corporation. The uh, um, the company uh, well it was a, it was a postal network right so the, um, we're talking about um, trying to move uh, post across town as fast as possible. And parcels to the right locations, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, there was a consistent problem. The consistent problem was uh, it kept coming around again and again. Is there was a service promise for a faster post delivery across town uh, that routinely uh, only got across town uh, on that service promise ninety percent of the time. So high failure rate. Um, it was a, a premium product that was paid for. Uh, and and was routinely being beaten across town by mail that had been paid for by far less of a of a service, right? So this process kept coming around and around again. Uh, the company uh, went on a um, a journey to fix it um, by actually investing in a whole lot of technology, OCR reading conveyor belts and and high uh, high sort, uh, and then ultimately. Uh, there was still no means of separating the fast mail from the slow mail, despite that piece of work. And at the end of the conveyor belt, there were still 10 people standing around in the middle of the night trying to pick the fast stuff, albeit better sorted, but the fast stuff out of one service to another. Right. Um, so um, the uh, I remember having a conversation with a production manager in the middle of the night, uh, uh, holding a hacksaw in my hand, saying, you know what, I really think we should put a, a hacksaw through this conveyor belt trying to make a graphic point and uh that basically if people had a self-leveling bin uh and and a bag of mail that they could sort themselves one they wouldn't all be huddled around this one area which was which was terribly poorly lit uh, they wouldn't be failing every night and they wouldn't um basically um have no sense of self-worth or achievement at the end of the night for having uh, unsuccessfully um sorted 10 <laughs> percent of the mail right uh, and so, yeah, so it came around again uh, and again and again, despite um, cycles of improvement. And uh, the first night we did that, uh, all of the fast post mail um, basically um, met the service delivery. And, by, and within six weeks uh, of, um, you know, people, a people intervention rather than the process intervention, um, the, uh, 
uh, fast mail line haul was going out between the major cities an hour and a half earlier than it had ever gone before. So that's off the top of my head. So perhaps uh, an example of Ackham's razor in action. (laughs) Possibly. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, So... In your experience, how have advocates for continuous improvement introduced the idea into an organization? I expect that it's involved some sort of very painful process for some. Yeah, well, um, you'd think it'd be a no-brainer, you know, the the absolute concept that uh, we could be better and there might be money in us being better, you know, or there may be other across a multitude of, uh, of uh, uh, indices uh, and metrics, a, a better way, you know, better might be better for us as well, right? Um, but um, it, it doesn't always prove to be the case. Um, there are various top-down or bottom-up approaches to, to exciting an organisation to continuously improve. Um, unfortunately, nothing sparks interest like a significant event or an imminent threat, you know, like a compelling... Mm-hmm. You know, and it should, you'd think you wouldn't need that, but, you know, because it's a compelling argument in its own right. But, um, yeah, nothing sparks uh, uh, interest like uh, a major competitor rising, uh, major product failure, um, you know, some major, major event uh, that causes the organization to think we we have to do something. Um, Notwithstanding that that's uh, often the frequent way uh, that people start to, to, to introduce these things in response to something like that. The best way has always been some sort of strategic imperative that's led by the leadership team, you know, with a clear goal and an outcome that's sought, which is transparently linked to business goals. You know, that nothing nothing beats it not being the improvement plan, but being the improvement component of the plan. Right? Nothing right. nothing beats, nothing beats that. Um, generally, though, uh, you can pick something that is important to the organisation. Uh, and by reflecting on the pain suffered in, in that, <laughs> um, actually um, begin uh, a, a continuous improvement initiative, um, you know, and it's not where there's pain and there's a succession of pain, there is an opportunity to create a, a beachfront uh, and show a better way of doing that, that then, you know, a far more powerful way of doing it can therefore ripple through an organisation. Yeah, I, I guess um, in my experience around Kaizen, there was kind of a, uh, an aspect of it which was it was known about in the context of Toyota and Toyota is venerated as being one of the um, top performing lean manufacturing environments or manufacturing environments. So there's some cachet or status that came with that and then to me there was also a slightly exotic component in that this was the Japanese uh, cultural approach to this which was sufficiently different and exotic so to speak in in rabbit ears um, or or air quotes that um, there was a greater willingness to explore uh, that idea because it was just simply perceived as being different. With that kind of in mind, any tips on building consensus and um, you know, how you might suggest approaching it? 
Yeah. Um, so, sorry, I just I was just enjoying uh, um, uh, the exotic uh, uh, idea. Um, it, it seems a, such a sad thing, particularly in this part of the world, that uh, some of our best innovations are only seen as our best innovations if someone adopts them overseas and then brings them back. <laughs> you know, which is uh, I wish we had more confidence about some of the great things we can actually do because we can be quite innovative. You know, that's that sort of thing. So. Um, but you, you, you're not wrong. Um, uh, you know there is uh, 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 an exotic, uh, exotic, cunning uh, way, um, Sun Tzu type <laughs> approach to doing it is is actually um, uh, a good way to introduce it. But um, look, consensus building. I think um, it's actually very easy to build consensus uh, that we should be improving. Um, the problem is how how should how should we improve? Uh, um, I'm not sure what the audience is uh, for this, uh, and if I'm allowed to swear or not, but I remember a quote from um, um, The Life of Brian uh, where the crowd, crowd is following the, um, the, the, not, the not Messiah uh, and mm-hmm. he turns around and says, look, F off. I'll just use the F. Look, F off. And uh, when he uh, turns away, looks back a minute and nobody's left and uh, they say to him, how should we F off, Master? You know, uh, so the, the, it's the it's the consensus around how is the is the hardest thing. Um, the biggest mistake is trying to gain consensus on a list of possibilities directly. Should we do this or should we do that? When, whenever you do that, and and, and you, you try and get people voting or saying uh, my idea is better than your idea, you create winners and losers in the organisation, and you can disenfranchise key players and and turn people off. Uh, you know, and. To the point where, and I've witnessed this, uh, uh, where this mistake has been made with uh, senior management teams, and you can see that some people are hoisting their sails and other people are putting their sails under the boat, <laughs> and you know, and it's just not going to fly here. Um, mm-hmm. So um, really the most important thing to do is when picking something or, or beginning that, that, that journey about, well, if we were going to do this thing that we, that we basically conceptually agree with, where would we do it and how would we go about it? Um, the most important thing you can do is find a uh, a tool or a methodology that you can agree with, uh, have a consensus on, is the tool by which you will make the decision. You know, mm-hmm. and if you can use uh, um, uh, get gain, gain consensus around, well, if we we if we knew these were the, the the criteria and and these are all of the options, and we can somehow um, come up with a, a way of exposing how our first, second, and third choices may have been selected. Then you have a much more powerful way of uh, so get consensus around the way you're going to make a decision, and then you'll have consensus around the decision. Excellent. And and what common uh, misconceptions have you encountered around uh, continuous improvement? Uh, <laughs> I think you and I have uh, have seen have seen many because it's just just improving, isn't it? Um, and yes. and and it actually kind of is when it really comes down to it, but. Um, so here's the, the things that, that have re- I think really tripped people up, and, and this might be a little bit controversial, but um, the whole idea that somehow continuous improvement is a career, you know, that uh, you go into the career of continuous improvement and, and um, um, green belts and black belts on, um, you know, that, that's what you were trying to achieve. Whereas really it's, it's a skill set that may be recognized through those things, but it's a lens uh, for what really is management 101, you know, what every manager should understand and do. So that's, that's the first one, I suppose. The second one is, is it's somehow it's a project with a fixed by date, not a, mm-hmm. 
you know, not a use by date, but a fixed by date. Um, when it's really a program, uh, uh, deliver, possibly delivered as projects, which is a good way, and project management disciplines really help uh, those, you know, because they've got endpoints and, you know, uh, definable scopes and we can tell where we've got to and all those sort of things. Um, and, but each endpoint is really the starting point for the next cab off the rank. You know, it's it's that's the other thing. Yeah. Yeah, an example that uh, I heard of is it's kind of like your human resources process that that in any given organization you have uh, a people and culture or a human resource function. And it's little different to having that uh, set of processes that mode of operation that way of thinking like i guess what's implicit in hr is that there is a certain way of thinking that you bring with you as part of managing your people and culture and that was a helpful analogy for me in terms of understanding what continuous improvement might mean to an organization Yes, um, and, and, and look, it's a good point you make because um, like every discipline, like HR, it has its processes and methodologies and its, and its orientations and its understandings and its sensitivities uh, towards um, different situations and, uh, you know, and understanding what's going on before prescribing, <laughs> you know, that, that sort of thing. Uh, um, uh, um, it, it, on my misconceptions list uh, is... Uh, um, also, that like there's a whole lot of data tools and methodologies for doing what we're just doing now anyway, right? Which you know that that so so what's this? Uh, and but that's exactly what it is. At, at one level, it is just uh, some data tools and methodologies for doing what we're doing anyway, right? But mm-hmm. in, in another way, it is that shift in your perspective and understanding how what you're doing now is not what you could be doing and could be doing better. You know, there's an orientation to that. Uh, you know, that is. Um, uh, yeah, um, I, I like talking about tricks of perspective. I used lenses before in our previous uh, um, conversation when I was talking about the situation where people, uh, someone had fallen off a ladder and how different different um, training sets, would, uh, you know, skill sets would look at that situation. Um, I um, often think uh, when I see, um, I like uh, Gary Larson cartoons a lot, and I've learned a lot from Gary Larson cartoons, um, you know, um, about tricks of perspective. Uh, one of my favorite ones is um, uh, there's two parrots in a, in a cage um, uh, and they're looking on as two uh, young, youngsters are pulling the wishbone at, uh, uh, at, at, on a chicken at, at a chicken, you know, at a, at a Christmas dinner. And the caption under the cage says, uh, uh, and, and now for the barbaric finale. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so those it's how does things look from different perspectives is, uh, um, is is so one of the misconceptions is that you know the way that you're looking at it now, uh, and even if you think you're looking at it from a C, you know you're a CI looking, you know you look on all of those perspectives are are, are part of um, you know the, the real diversity uh, in an organisation, which is uh, diversity of thought and diversity of thinking. You know. Okay. And and can you walk uh, listeners through an example of uh, successes and any examples of missteps? Um, yeah, I, I think I could, um, uh, I think the, the best, the best thing to say, um, uh, examples of missteps, uh, 
there's a there's a generic one that I'll, 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 t- I'll take you through as an, an example because it happens so often um, uh, that when people start, first start um, talking about continuous improvement, um, they they inevitably uh, start talking about um, better and changing, you know, uh, uh, you know, and the the big misstep is not validating what people are actually doing right now. You know, um, starting from a, um, you know, you, you see it often too in consultancies. Uh, an external consultant will come in and say to you, "Well, that's wrong, and that's failed, and that's no good, and against this and that lens, that's no good," and all this sort of stuff, and almost to, to to disenfranchise what you've done. It's it's the biggest misstep you can do. Um, the the biggest uh, positive thing you can do is uh, celebrate um, where the company's got to. Uh, you know. Uh, re, you know, reveal and revere uh, the the learnings of the past and, and expose them to people in such a way um, that, that they will look at them and say, you know what, as good as this is, we could be even better, as opposed to this is no good, you're awful, and you need to be better, right? Uh, so that's that's the that's the biggest single uh, misstep, and and it happens so naturally because. Um, um, the minute you, you talk about those things like change and better, you get into this um, noise war, uh, you know, where you think, oh, gosh, there's so much noise, you know, 90% of the people are totally opposed to this, it's never going to happen, right? But what you're actually hearing uh, is a silent 90% majority who is just itching to improve and 10% making the noise of the 90 because they've perceived that somehow that change and better uh, means not better for them <laughs> and not better for the way that they understand and, and, and run things in the past. So that's the that's the biggest uh, misstep. Um, the there are some smaller missteps uh, that that I would just say generically too. The the whole idea that the squeaky wheel gets the oil. You know, um, sometimes when you're looking at things that you might have a go at, there's a lot of uh, um, noise or, or or attention drawn around something, but it may not actually be um, an, important enough. Uh, to actually spend the sort of resources that you do spend when you're actually thinking about changing the way you work. And you feel you might need to dip your, your toe in the water and you might go after that because there's a little bit of noise about it or a lot of noise about it. It doesn't seem that that big, you know. Um, but if it wasn't really important enough to have been, uh, um, you know, put on the strategic agenda before, even when you fix it, it may not be important enough to actually spark a revolution inside the the organisation. You you. Go after something important, you know? Right. So it, it kind of what you're describing there to me speaks to the need to make sure you do some sort of root cause analysis in in what you, you're undertaking. Yeah, well, in that, it's selection, you know. Um, I've spoken to you about expansions and contractions before, but, you know, um, if your thought process is, uh, well, we should do some continuous improvement, who's got a problem? Yeah, that one will do. <laughs> you've, made, you've made a misstep right there. Um, what you should be doing is saying, what else have you got? What are our criteria for choosing something? You know, and it might be that you take on something lesser because you want to um, blood your, um, you know, your um, continuous improvement team. You think that maybe that is strategically more risky than you want to go after right now in an inexperienced team. You know, that make that a transparent and obvious decision uh, about something that was valuable, and we may have taken something less valuable because. These are objectives or, or what we're about. Don't just say, um, well, there's something that's making a noise. Um, let's see if we can fix that. That's that's the classic error, Mr. Yeah. Right. 
And coming back to your your first point around uh, missteps, uh, I guess honouring what has gone before uh, and how you've got to the point that you have speaks to me about the importance of this being about cultural change. It's it's not just about process improvement. It is this this cultural dimension which has all of these aspects of status, uh, honor, uh, and, and ritual uh, that we as humans actually value probably more than, than just pure achievement. You know, being heard is an example uh, from a cultural perspective that if people felt feel as if they have been heard, you can make change and improvement much more easily than if they feel like they've been ignored. Their their natural instinct is to resist change. Yeah, and that would be a lesson for everything that's going on in the world at the moment about listening to different points of view before taking a position, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and also what's wrong with our world in terms of what's the phenomenons of fake news and and all those sorts of things that that have growing up uh, around us in the last 10, 15 years. You know, um, it's hard to know what the, the truth actually is, but it's even harder if you're not looking for it. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, so, you know, it's, uh, you, you make a really good point, but most importantly, um, uh, why do we have processes? Uh, it's to help people uh, um, understand how to do things better. Why do we have technologies? It's to assist people uh, um, to do what they do naturally, and why do people resist some of these things? Because they will threat. They some of these things can be presented in such, such a way as they threaten or invalidate people, and and doing that is dumb uh, because people still remain uh, the greatest asset of an organisation and the greatest a- asset of a continuous improvement regime. Yeah. Excellent. Well, th- that's the perfect place to to pause uh, as we. Uh, wrap this episode up join us next episode where we talk about the practical reality of using continuous improvement in an asset operations and building intelligent assets context thanks grant for your time today thanks sam for more on getting the most out of the world's leading asset management system ibm maximo check out certus